what's going on if anybody's on here already we're gonna give it a few minutes for um, people to log on here we're actually doing it a little different this week we're doing uh, I'm actually up in Michigan with my buddy Daryl here um, doing some fishing and so we're we're uh, shooting remote for the first time really uh, really simple set up with a new mic and just the computer and so hopefully uh, the sounds coming through well so if it's not just shoot here in the comments and uh, and let me know and we can we can tweak it a little bit but I, I've been messing around with it I think it should be good but like I was saying I'm just gonna go ahead and jump into introducing Daryl this is Daryl Holtz and he's uh, he's a fishing captain he guides here in Michigan grew up here in Michigan and then uh, he also spends a lot of time down in Florida um, in the winter sorry I'm out of breath I just ran out of the car and grabbed a water because <laughs> Me and Daryl were like, I think we need some waters for this. But um, yeah, he, I'm, I'm going to let, let Daryl kind of take it away in just a second. But I'm going to first do the the normal thing and, and jump in and share our sponsors and always thank them. Uh, iStrike, who's a, who's a huge supporter of the show. They've got uh, some awesome jigs, jig heads, and, and different uh, different different baits and whatnot. And uh, we've actually got a little a little code for them. Um, you get extra 10% off when you go on and, and purchase them on their website. And uh, Marshware and Afco, we, we love them, and they're just great supporters of the show. They usually give us a bunch of product to give away. I have product to give away, but I did not bring any up here, so we're just not going to do a giveaway this week. Um, but, yeah, we, um, Marshware, Afco, iStrike. Uh, I'm struggling here because Billy's always on here helping me out. But, um, yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it away to Daryl and let him kind of tell his backstory. So how'd, how did you get into fishing, Daryl? Um, it's kind of just a funny story, really. I, uh, I broke up with a girlfriend and was kind of just looking for another hobby to get into, just something to kind of, uh, get away from that. So, uh, I picked up fishing and, uh, it kind of just spread like wildfire. And, uh, here we are now. It, uh, it all started about five and a half years ago now. I just got a bass rod from Cabela's or whatever uh -huh. and was, you know, throwing frogs and throwing some crankbaits and stuff at the local ponds and lakes. And, uh, I quickly picked up on the whole steelhead thing, kind of got a center pin, started doing some center pin fishing for steelhead. And I really, really liked that. That's kind of what started my whole addiction and kind of took it to the next level. And uh, yeah, now here we are now. I'm a captain. I do charters in Florida. I do charters here in Michigan. And it's uh, it's pretty awesome. I get to do a lot of really cool fishing. So That's awesome. Uh, looking at, this is my first time ever up to Michigan and looking at it on Google Earth, which I've been doing a lot of lately. It's like a, it looks like South Florida, like the amount of water everywhere. There's yeah. lakes and ponds and rivers and just so much access. So being a kid and getting into, into fishing around here, there's, there's definitely a shortage of, of options of what to do. Um, now you said you were, you were played golf pretty competitively as well, right? Through college and whatnot. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, I played golf at Madonna university for a couple seasons and, uh, I really like that, but, um, I just, I didn't have time for fishing. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to go fishing every day. So especially being on the golf courses with all the large mouth and spawns and everything. Yeah, and, for uh, sure. You're yeah. playing golf and thinking about fish. Yeah. 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 That's usually how I feel when I'm playing golf. I'm pretty terrible at it, but, um, well, cool. Well, let's let's jump into kind of talking about your fishery here. Like you said, you started fishing not super long ago, five six years. And Daryl, I've I've had the pleasure of fishing with him. I guess his mom lives down in North Carolina, in uh, Southport, North Carolina. And he reached out to me a couple of years ago and jumped on the on the boat with me in Wilmington. And we've since fished in Louisiana. And then I finally hit him up to come up here and and do some steelhead fishing. He's been just catching the crap out of some massive steelhead. And um, I was like, I've got to go do that. I've never done it before. But um, where was I going with that? Uh, yeah, we're jumping into kind of your, just your fishery here. So um, 
we're going to kind of at the first part of the show cover um, what he does up here in Michigan, kind of the different different uh, fisheries that he has, the different fish he goes after, how he targets them. And then we're going to jump into um, what he does in South Florida around the Naples area. But let's kind of, let's jump into, well, let's start out with like your summer when you get back up here from, you're spending winter down in Florida. So like, how does your, your, your time here progress from like the beginning of, of getting here, the first fish that you're kind of targeting and then through until right now and until you head back to Louis or to Florida. Yeah. So when I get back, I'm generally coming back end of April. Um, when we first get back, we're looking for the smallmouth. The The smallmouth bass are going to be getting ready to spawn. They're going to be in the full pre-spawn mode, just putting the feed bag on. They're pissed off. They just want to eat streamers. It's it's really, really fun fishing. And uh, it's, it's, even, it's just something that even the beginner angler can do. Uh, you know, the more experience definitely is a little more successful yeah. at it, but it's something that someone who's looking to get into fly fishing or just getting into it can be really successful at and have a great time doing it. Um, that's definitely one of my favorite fish to guide for here in Michigan. It's just, it's really easy guiding and the clients love it. And you're catching, you know, tons and tons of fish every day, you know, 20, 30 plus fish in a day with multiple shots at fish over four five, six pounds. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, they're eating three, four inch long streamers. Uh, Murdish minnow is definitely a favorite for them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just really, really cool, fun fishing. And you, you, you and I both made the point earlier. We're like, Oh, we love fly fishing, but, but we do a lot of, uh, you know, light tackle and gear fishing as well. Is that something that's pretty productive on the smallmouth up here in the same areas? Yeah. Um, I honestly, I feel like the, the fly is better for them. The like fly is I, better for them? Yeah, honestly, Even with like a yep, client that can't throw it quite it, as well? It doesn't matter. The fly is still better. I've had some of my really good buddies come out with me gear fishing, uh-huh. and they're drop shotting and fishing Ned rigs and everything, and he'll just sit there just pissed at me because I'm like, you know, beating them 10 to 1 on fish, and he just <laughs> looks at me like, how the heck are you catching them all on the fly? And I'm That's sitting awesome. here struggling with the Ned rig. That's awesome. So we actually did a little test with them. We had him set up a drop shot rig with a merchant fly on it. And he actually caught more fish using the same fly we were using on his drop shot. Oh my god. Than gosh. he did using like a, a saw plastic on a drop shot rig. So it's it something about how those crazy. materials, the buoyancy and the way they kind of Yeah, the way they move. And move it's the pro, and so I think it's the profile, the profile has a big thing to do with it. Yeah, that's but, crazy. Uh, those Murdish minnows are deadly. You said you catch steelhead on those. Yep, and everything yeah, too. I've I've caught just about everything. Snook, redfish, tarpon. I mean, the Murdish minnow is a great all-around fly yeah. for, for just about anything. That's awesome. So smallmouth is kind of the first. How long does that season last when you, you'll get back and start fishing for them when? Yeah, it kind of end of April. I'd say it starts up like second, third week of April. You can start catching them a little bit. But depending on the water temps and you know how the winter is, it changes every year. Um, May is probably the best month for them. You can consistently go out pretty much every day and, you know, have shots at 30, 40 fish and, uh, you know, have some big ones in there too. Um, and then as soon as kind of end of May hits the, again, depending on the water temps and how the season's been, they kind of start to get into that spawning mode. I, uh, I don't like fishing them on beds. I won't, I won't fish them on beds. I, you know, it is what it is. I really like targeting them in that pre-spawn mode. Even through the end of May, though, you can still catch fish in, you know, 8 to 12 feet of water. And uh, you can still catch them in 4 to 6 feet of water through all that, too. So That's awesome. Some cases, you actually get to see them and, you know, watch them come up and eat the fly. Yeah. And uh, like your videos in Louisiana, you get a bunch of redfish chasing up the fly. Yeah. You get some of that with the smallmouth, too. Or you That's have awesome. multiple hookups on the same cast. When they're, you know, when they're in their thick, it's really pretty crazy fishing. So. Yeah, just that kind of, like, gangbusters going yeah. after. That's super yeah. fun. We're actually sitting right here. What is this lake called to our right? Torch Lake. Torch Lake. So we're sitting here at at uh, our buddy's house, but definitely um, I met him through Daryl, but Jay Cooper, who also does a good bit of fishing. 
um, and they, they do a lot of their stuff based out of this this area right here. And um, uh, there's some pretty big. You were saying is it state record smallmouth? Was it was the muskie? The muskie, yeah, the, yeah, the muskie. muskie was caught. There's just right so many fish up here. I can't even keep up with with everything that's going on. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's definitely tons of options up here in northern Michigan, all throughout Michigan, really. I mean, depending yeah. on what time of year it is, there's always you know multiple species you can go out and target and be successfully catching. Yeah, that's awesome. Even in the winter. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah what What are the uh, What are some of the main fish you're going after in the winter? The steelhead um, for sure. Right? Yeah, like right now, kind of the only thing I'm really looking at is brown trout and steelhead, okay. and steelhead are definitely the primary target this time of year. Um, you know, I'm only here through the end of November and then I head back down to Florida, but all through the rest of this month, the steelhead fishing should be really good. Yeah. And, uh, there's, you know, there's still more fish coming in right now. So, right on. Yep. All right. So your smallmouth fishing kind of tapers off, or I guess the fishing's still pretty solid, but what you move into kind of your next little, little mini season, what is that? Is that the carp fishing? Yep. That's going to be the okay. carp. Um, again, I'd. It's hard to say what is my favorite in Michigan. I really, I really like all the different species that yeah. we get to target and fish to. You know, every one of them is a little bit different. Like from smallmouth fishing with streamers on an intermediate line to carp fishing with basically a bonefish setup, like a nine weight with a grand slam, and you know, fishing a ten to twelve foot leader with a big sinking fly, uh, with you know, large dumbbells on it. And you're literally stalking these carp just like you would a bonefish on the flats in Florida. Yeah. You're sight fishing them from, you know, 100 plus feet away. You see them cruising a shoreline or just cruising out in the middle. And uh, it's really, really cool fishing. It requires some pretty serious uh, angling experience. So, you know, it, it definitely requires a good cast and a really, really good Would you good say they're tougher, tougher than redfish and bonefish? Um, from the little bit of bone fishing that I've done, I'd say they're pretty much right on par, right with, on par. with a bone fish. Yeah. It, they, uh, they require a spot on presentation. We call it the dinner plate. If you can get it on that dinner, on plate, dinner plate, you know, yeah. you've got a good shot, but if you can't, you know, you can't feed them. Sometimes they don't chase it. Other times it doesn't matter. Yeah, Other times yeah. they'll chase it down from 15 feet and come eat it like a smallmouth would, but awesome. uh, definitely harder than the redfish from at least what I've seen, what I've done with you. But, uh, so for people that that haven't seen the water up here at Lake Michigan, like describe kind of the sight fishing abilities for carp up here. Because like when you you can kind of sight fish carp in some areas in North Carolina and other places down south, but it's it's dirtier water and it's yeah. kind of these mud flats that you can't see quite as well as up here. Yeah, yeah. The 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 water up here is gin clear absolutely gin clear it's just like the florida keys or the bahamas i mean you can see we've actually been sight fishing like cisco and lake trout in like 40 foot of water in the springtime you're sitting there jigging it and you can see them come up eat the jig you set the hook on them everything <laughs> so crazy. it's uh yeah it's pretty cool the the water here is amazingly clear the rivers are clear everything's clear and um so it makes it really cool for sight fishing for those carp up, up on the flats it's you know you can see them from couple often 200 yards away and you get to watch them and you know go kind of pick out that individual carp that you want that's cool and so, you're running you were telling me you're running a trolling motor mostly for these like you you have you'll have a pulling skiff here but yeah they don't like the they don't like the sound of the push poles yeah much. no the push pole definitely spooks them out on the rocks they uh they really don't like that and you know the trolling motor definitely makes some noise but uh i can kill it and just kind of put it on anchor mode or whatever and then pause it like right while you're doing the cast a lot of the times you see these fish far enough away that you can set the boat up before they get there yeah. and have it ready for them. And uh, all you got to do is just shut the trolling motor off, let the client or whoever's fishing take the shot. And, you know, it's yeah. either going to, it's going to make or break. You get one shot. On is it a, fish. is it a retrieve like, uh, like you would with a redfish or a bonefish or is it more, or, or more of just kind of let it sit on the bottom and then come pick it up? Yeah. So 
the way I always look at it is you just want to get their attention. As soon as you do like a big pop and they see it and you see them engaging the fly, you generally want to leave it. Uh. Um, but sometimes it takes a couple long strips and then a couple big pops. You got to just, I think once they, they've, tr you've triggered the response for them to eat, okay. they're going to eat it. Um, kind of like what they do with the bonefish. Like they say, as soon as the bonefish is on it, they want you to leave it there and let them come up and eat it because they've got that down facing mouth. It's important that you let it sit there so they can actually suck it up and yeah. then, you know, and then hit them. You always want to kind of wait for them a little bit. Yeah. That's so it, when, when you think you've got them, it's not like a, it's kind of easing into that, that strip set if you're yeah. fly fishing, right? Yeah. Like a lot of times people will, will set the hook too early because they think they've got it because they're right over top of it, sitting there on that fly, oh. you know, trying to eat it. But they haven't fully got it yet. So you do a lot of fly fishing for the carp. Is it possible to go out there and sight fish them with a spinning rod? Uh, we've tried it, and honestly, we've we've not been able to do it yet. We've had y'all are just better with the fly rod. We've had <laughs> we've had a couple we've had a couple guys like get bites using uh, small jig heads with soft plastics, like crayfish soft plastics. Yeah. Um, one thing we want to try this year is trying to get some live crayfish and going out there and throwing a live crayfish at them and see what that'd happens. be really cool. But, um, yeah, for the most part, the flies work really well. We uh, kind of same thing we were doing with my buddy Chris with the smallmouth rig. We've had guys casting some of our flies on spinning rods, like some of the tungsten-weighted bead-head yeah. ones, and they're casting them on a spinning rod and catching them. That's cool. So um, pretty cool. Are uh, you fishing pretty big-profile flies and baits for these for the carp or really tiny little stuff? Yeah, it, it varies. For the most part, we're fishing like two to like three-and-a-half-inch long flies. Okay. A, a lot of it's going to be natural color stuff like olive variant, browns, tans. Black is even pretty good. Um, and uh, you just really crayfish, you know, just tight patterns. Yeah. Um, mainly rabbit strip you okay. don't really go you know go far from that very minimal flash in the flies it's just as natural just a uh, natural kind of crayfish yeah. something yeah yeah you could you could probably use you know some of the redfish flies that you guys fish like some of those shrimp patterns and yeah. stuff here um the problem is you just got to have no flash you know how, how clear the water is they don't yeah. like the flash at all it just needs to be real natural yeah yeah right on so after your, how, how long does that carp fishing season last um we it, it kind of ends july the the latest that i think i've got them up here has been really like late june like june 25th or so so um kind of as soon as that hits we're, we're kind of over it and um you know we've kind of just transitioned out we're just kind of ready to take a little break and um july is kind of the slowest month of the year for fishing up here there's okay. uh there's kind of like a little lull where there's really not a ton going on and there's still options here in july uh, the summer on steelhead are in down in the lower uh, southwest side of the state, and they do get some up north here, but uh, a limited amount. Um, we're kind of we kind of switch over from the carp into jigging for lake trout. That's kind of the main uh, viable option that's out here for us, and it's actually right down the road. It's ten minutes from here, and uh, we're jigging lake trout and anywhere from like forty to. 180 feet out in Grand Traverse Bay, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. You know, you're vertical jigging for them with jigging spoons. So it's a lot like some saltwater style yeah. fishing that you'd be doing. Yep, yeah. That's so cool. we're going out looking for you know big breaks or ledges, mainly ledges, um, anywhere from like the 80 to 100 foot depth is what we've been doing really good in. And uh, you know, there's not a ton of giant fish, it's not like Lake Superior. But we had more. Well, they all seem pretty pounds pretty giant. Time. Like I I caught some lake trout when I used to work up in Alaska. And I thought they were big trout and the lake trout that I've seen you post pictures of are like, yeah. what's the biggest one you've put your hands on? Biggest one I personally put my hands on was a little bit over 30 pounds. Golly. Yeah. And how big, like what is a, 
you know, what are the biggest ones you're hearing of in the summer? Maybe not the the world or the state record, but what's like a really solid fish for the year? The the biggest one that I heard being caught up on Lake Superior the rest of the year was like 50, I want to say it was 52 pounds. And Gosh. then my buddy up there, my good friend Pat Magdaleno, he, uh, he got a 41 pounder up there too. That's crazy. Do they fight pretty hard? They they do. We're uh, we're fishing them on light tackle, you know, 35, 4,500 series spinning yeah. reels, and uh, they fight pretty good. They, uh, you know, they definitely do a couple nice runs, and as soon as they see the boat, they freak out and take off again. Um, but it's definitely a pretty neat fishery. A lot of the times you get, you know, other fish following these fish up. So, yeah. you know, be fighting. Other lake trout. Too. Yeah, other lake trout following them up. Um, sometimes you even have, like, coho salmon follow them up in a, oh, in a wow. school. So it's it's pretty cool, and uh, I was telling you earlier about how you can actually be fighting one, it'll come off, and you just keep reeling or you keep popping the jig as fast yeah. as you can, and they'll come back and eat it again. Like an amberjack. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so so definitely a pretty cool What, fish, what are you aggressive. looking for? Are, are you looking for structure and, you know, like live bottom like you do in the ocean when you're looking for those lake trout, or are you just cruising around until you mark a school of them? You're we kind of just do a lot of looking um i like to do a lot of drift fishing when i'm jigging for them uh i'll, I'll pick a, a depth where i've been marking them or seeing them like on any given day it changes a little bit and we'll uh we just kind of do drifts in that same depth that they're in on that that given day that's super cool yeah um we have a question here from john he said so where in michigan is this are you guys fishing smaller lakes rivers lake michigan um and you, this is the lower peninsula you were saying? Where? Yeah, we're in the lower peninsula of Michigan. Right now, we're up in the northwest side of Michigan, up in Traverse City area. Um, a lot of the fishing that we're doing right now is based out of this area on like the Manistee River, Pier Marquette River, Muskegon River, and uh, some of the other tributaries over here on the west side. But we kind of, I kind of move around a lot while I'm here in Michigan. I go from downstate on the southeast side of Michigan, starting with the smallmouth on Lake St. Clair. And then from there, I move up north here to do smallmouth in Grand Traverse Bay. And then I switch to carp, which is also in Grand Traverse Bay. And then from there, we transition into the salmon, steelhead, and where, where we're at now. Right on, right on. Um, and how far are we from Canada? It's pretty close, right? Yeah, we're technically like um, our lat our longitude is the same as Canada right now. Like we could, you could drive straight east and you'd be in Canada. Be in Canada. Yeah, but it's um, freaking cold up here. It's snowed. It's been snowing since I got we got here yesterday for the most part. Yeah, not sticking, yeah. but just on and off snow. It snowed on us all day on the river today. Yeah, and it was. Uh, I I have a cold as you can probably hear, and it's. Yeah, I don't think it was very good for me, but it is cold. I mean, I thought it was getting cold in Wilmington and was wearing my my jacket in the morning and yeah. we were i mean i texted daryl and i was like what should we bring uh layer wise up there and he's like everything just bring everything you have and uh it was it was enough but my feet were cold my hands were a little cold my face was cold it just kind of a wimp sorry right, so what are what are some of the other or what's the next season you step into and we're talking about the main seasons you also do a bunch of other little you know musky and other things like that but yeah. but so from the uh the lake trout what's the next kind of step for your your fishing season so after the lake trout that's kind of like a whole summer thing um like i said we do a little playing around with the summer on steelhead but okay. then uh the king salmon come in and uh there's a lot of bad stigma about the great lakes king salmon but um they're pretty badass fish they really are they uh they pull extremely hard they are extremely fun whether you're fishing with them or fishing for them with a gear rod you know fishing skein under a bobber or if you're stripping streamers for them with a 10 weight or you want to go spay fish for them 
um, or throw crankbaits. You know, there's multiple ways to target them. And no matter which way you do hook them, it always sucks fighting them. They just, they pull <laughs> so freaking hard. They're like freight trains and they just want to break you off on everything That's they can. Awesome. But um, what's the size uh, for those, the salmon? Mostly like this year, the average size I'd say was like 22 to 26 pounds. Um, yet last year was a little bit smaller, maybe like 18 pounds, but gotcha. for the most part, they're over, you know, over 10 pounds and you do get a lot of fish over, you know, over the 20 pound class. Yeah. This year was a you know really 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 good year for the salmon. We uh, I don't even know how many thirty pound plus fish I had this year. We that's probably cool. had at least twenty fish over thirty pounds in the boat this year. Man, that's awesome. So it was a pretty good season for it. That's super cool. And what are you? Or if you're fly, is that an eight weight, eight nine weight? Like ten weight. Ten weight. Okay. Yeah. Like the you know I mean you hook a thirty pound chrome king in the river, he's gonna whoop your butt. Yeah, that's like, true. They that's true. they pull real hard. You know you're fishing just straight 30 pound off of a sink tip and just hold on. Yeah. You better get yeah. ready. Cause they'll pull that rod right out of your hands. That's crazy. Yeah. There's a, uh, one thing that I was talking to Daryl about is like, we, we both love doing a lot of fly fishing. I think that was kind of the basis of, of why we both got into guiding. We loved fly fishing, but we were talking today about how important it is to, to really diversify in your fishing and in your angling. You can learn so much from, from picking up a spinning rod, picking up a bait caster and, and doing a, a, all different types of fishing. It, 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 there's so much that just applies across the board. Like today, we were doing a lot of fly fishing, but uh, we had some some bait casters rigged up, and we would fish these these same runs and same holes different ways um, and and picked up some fish that way. I picked up some bites bites that way. And one of the ways I was talking to Daryl about, like setting sitting straight up current, um, with a bait caster and dropping these, these, uh, beads, these, they're resembling, uh, salmon eggs that these steelhead are eating straight back. You can get this really natural drift. And I was telling, telling Daryl, my buddy, Michael, who's here in town with me fishing. Uh, I was like, man, this would be an incredible way to fish for speckled trout with, with a real light bait to be able to sit right above them and get like a really perfect drift, very, a, a real long way down the bank. And a lot of guys are doing that with bobbers and shrimp, live shrimp, but there's just, you, you start to get all these parallels that click and you're like oh man i could take this here and and it would benefit me that way and and vice versa and maybe even like a you're talking about jigging for this lake child and it's making me thinking of like amber jacks yeah. and jigging yeah. for grouper and and stuff like that there's just a lot that that crosses over all right so the the co what, what's your favorite what you, you keep saying you you don't really have a favorite but there's got to be one that that you love targeting the most uh, it's a it's a tough one because i i like the sight fishing of the carp i uh -huh. you know i love that but I, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to go with the Chinook just because they pull so dang hard. They pull hard. so hard, yeah. yeah it, I, I'm like a just tug junkie for sure. Like I, I like the big fish that pull hard. I love the amber jacks, you know, the yeah. the big sharks. You like the fight? Florida. Yeah, I like the I like You're the fight. fighter. I want, I want this fish to try to show me what's up. Right. Try, right. You know, make me not catch you. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'll, you know, hooking them is not a big problem. It's just landing them sucks. Yeah. I mean, you go out. I've had days where you go out, you hook 10 fish, and you don't land one of them. They break mm. you off on every every time you're fishing thirty pound. They break you off. So yeah, they're uh, they're a humbling fish, yeah. and it's uh, it's cool to see a fish with that much power in fresh water. And explain like uh, the kind of the cycle of the salmon when it comes up in the river. It's crazy because you were saying within five days of them being in the river, they're not worth eating anymore for the most part. Yeah. So because they're coming in from Lake Michigan into our rivers here, the our rivers are a little bit warmer than what they have out west, where the salmon are originally from. So the meat deteriorates a little bit quicker. It becomes a little bit mushy. Um, they're, they're still good eating, you know, especially if you're going to smoke them or whatever. They're, yeah. they're probably good in the river for like a month after they come in, you know, still edible. 
And then after that, they kind of start using all their energy to go towards their, their spawning. Yeah. So, yep. We were seeing some salmon today that were pretty nasty. Yeah. The big old, the big old white broom tails. Oh gosh. And, uh, Swimming around on their yeah. sides. They don't really know what's going yeah, on. Yeah. They're anymore. just, yeah. You see the big mud sharks coming out and they literally look like they're just covered in mud. They're just zombies. Yeah, they're, they're, they're fully they're, rotted out. They're yeah. gnarly looking. Yeah. They're, uh, they sure are fun when they're chrome though. Oh man. I'll tell you. I bet. I bet. I miss, I miss the salmon fishing I got to do, uh, back when I was in Alaska. All right. So after the cohos comes the steelhead, which is kind of what we're up here targeting, or it's definitely what we're up here targeting right yep. now. And, uh, a fish that's always been on my bucket list and really wanted to catch. And, um, so let's dive into, into the, the steelhead. And what, when does that kind of fire off? You said there's summer, let's go into the summer run and the, the winter run steelhead and, okay. and kind of talk about, about all that. All right, so the the summer run fish, it uh, it's it's kind of there's not many rivers that get them. There's like three, four rivers in the state that get good runs of them over here. Um, Manistee is one of them, and then there's some other ones down in the southwest side of the state that that are pretty good too. Uh, I don't really do much guiding for that. It's just kind of you know if you get a, a guy that wants to go and do something in the yeah. summertime that's a little bit you know different. It's uh, it's definitely a neat type of fishing. Um, a lot of time it's in really small water and, uh, the other downside to the summer run fishing is a lot of them die. Yeah. The, uh, the water is so warm that they just exhaust themselves in the fight and, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I don't mind it. It is what it is. You know, you're, you're going to have some fatality while you're fishing and they are good table fare, but, yeah. um, you know, it kind of sucks going out and, you know, killing all these For fish sure. or whatever just For to go sure. fight them. But is it the same numbers of fish in the summer? Or is it less numbers? Definitely less numbers. There's yeah. only a certain amount of summer runs that are like planted and stocked every year. And uh, so there's not a ton of them returning. Um, like this year was terrible. I didn't even, I don't even, yeah, I didn't even catch a summer run seal this year. It, really? was, yeah, it was a bad run where I was at, at least up here. I never got to make it down to the southwest side of the state. They, uh, you know, they got some down there. They, they had, you know, some pretty successful days, but uh, for the most part up here, it was pretty slow. Yeah. So. So the the winter run steelhead is what we're targeting right now. Let's talk about kind of when they move in, um, kind of some of the areas you target them and, and like what we're doing today. And um, sorry, my, my throat's killing me. But yeah, let's talk about the, the winter run steelhead. Yep. So fall, winter, like we you kind of get the fall run first. That's kind of like okay. the most uh, beastly of the fish. They're the most acrobatic, the hardest fighting. And that's what, what, that's kinda, that's what we're fishing right now. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say October – October, November are kind of like the fall steel. And then as soon as December comes and, you know, the cold weather sets in, it kind of turns yeah. into the winter fish. Um, the fall fish are my favorite. They're just filled with piss and vinegar. They just want to fight and jump and, you know, just surprise you with how they fight. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen. You'll be, you'll think you'll have his butt whooped. He'll come right up to the boat and then you go to net him and he'll freak out and just go ballistic and do a hundred yard run again. That's crazy. So they're, uh, you know, they're a blast. You get, catch them multiple ways and you could do swinging for them on a spay rod. You could streamer fish for them. You can indicator fish like what we were doing today. Um, you can do it on bait casters, center pins, spinning rods, fly rods. You can do it on, you know, just yep. about any rig you want to do it. And, uh, it seems like each rod and each setup is, is kind of, a has its own little advantages. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. That, that was cool today. Kind of fishing the bait casters in different ways in different areas than we'd fish the fly rods. You're just covering water real well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the steelhead fishing today, I, I had no clue what to expect and, it was a lot of fun, a lot of work, putting in a lot of time for a few bites today, but we had a huge cold snap and, um, those fish, man, when, when you like you were, we were bobber fishing and that bobber goes down and you set into them and it is just straight weight and they yeah. just freak out in that current and start yeah. jumping. It's, 
It is very addicting. I would, uh, if I lived up here that way, I think that'd be my favorite. I don't know. I haven't done the carp fishing out in the lake, but, um, that that's those steel had a really cool fish it's it's crazy because i'm so used to, to fishing that same way and you set the hook and it's like a 13 inch trout <laughs> but when when your indicator goes down and you set the hook and it's just like a 10 12 13 pound steelhead that comes tearing out and jumping it's a little bit different yeah it's, it's uh definitely cool to just set the hook and just you know watch a big bar comb just sitting down there flopping like crazy yeah. and then you get to see them take off through the first run and do a couple jumps and Definitely oh, exciting fights. It's super I, uh, exciting. I, I honestly really, really enjoy guiding for steel. I just, I, I feel like I'm at the front row seat to the show every day. Yeah. Like I, I get to watch the bobbers drop. I get to watch the clients hooked, like set the hook. I get to watch them fight the fish. Like, yeah. I get the whole show. So it's, it's uh, pretty fun. Daryl is, is very dedicated in the steelhead fishing. Like these rigs that he's fishing uh, on the fly rod and on the spinning rod are just so intricate with the bobber um exactly where he has these split shots well you're uh, kind of explain that rig a little bit not in super detail but i mean you've got what like five or six split shot on a spread out throughout a, a yep. rig a swivel you've got beads you've got hooks you've got the bobber yep so uh it's it's the setup's crucial for these fall fish they a lot of times they're going to be holding in in the pocket water behind where the salmon were bedding or are bedding and uh so it's really important that you can get over these gravel bars but as soon as you get over the gravel bar you can drop back down into that pocket yeah. water so uh you have to run your bobber deep enough so that you can fish that pocket water but you have to have the split shot spread out far enough that it can drift over those gravel bars um so we've kind of like me and some of my friends and you know over the course of the years people have developed this it's called like a drifter shot rig and basically what that is is uh you'll have maybe four or five split shot ranging from like BB to like number threes spread out on your line. For the most part, it's usually one or two down low. And then you'll have like the rest of them kind of all stacked up below your bobber. Um, and what that allows it to do, it allows your bobber to stay floating, right? So you have the sensitivity of the bobber, but it also allows those two split shot down low to drift over the bed. Okay. Um, but it also has enough weight and you have enough line out already. So it'll actually sink back down into that pocket water. Yeah, that's cool. Yep. So it's, uh, you know, it's kind of int an intricate rig. It sucks re-rigging them. Uh, as you found out today, it's, you break off a lot. It's, it's part of fishing here. You're going to break off. You're going to yeah. lose beads and egg flies and sinker. I mean, you're going to lose everything. Yeah. Um, you know, today we didn't lose a float, so that was nice. But yeah, you nice. did, you did make me do quite a bit of retying. Yeah. I, I, I snagged quite a a few things in the bottom and it's not my fault that just happens yeah. right no it, it's you kept assuring it. me that, yeah. that that's just part of it um but yeah it's it, it was crazy i mean those it's it's insane how large and strong these fish are and sitting in areas where where you're used to catching rainbow trout and brown trout it's it's really cool yeah um well cool well, let's talk about um as the steelhead season comes to an end you're going to be going down to florida and how, how'd you I know you fished Florida a bunch growing up and whatnot, but when did you decide, oh, I want to go down here and start working and guiding and, and, and all that? Yeah, um, so last year, me and my buddy Jay, he's uh, he's like kind of my partner in my diverse angling business. We kind of both run trips together, and uh, we rent a house together down in Florida, and we stay together up here, obviously, at his, uh, his parents' place up here during the summertime. And, uh, yeah, just, we've been really good friends and we are kind of looking for something to do to get the, get the heck out of Michigan yeah. for the winter time. And, uh, you know, we had both got our captain's licenses and we kind of had saw an opportunity to go down to Florida and, uh, we did it. We, and we really liked it and we can't wait to go back. Right on. 
Um, and what part of Florida are you in again? Naples. Naples, Florida. Okay. Yep. So that's on the that's on the Gulf side there, just yep. by the Everglades, right? Yep. Um, and you were telling me when you were going down there at first, you were you were going to be working at a fly shop, but then you very quickly um, f- try, figured out a way that you could spend a lot more time in the water, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the fly shop thing just didn't really. It was kind of a new shop, and you know, it just didn't really work out. But uh, anyways, I I found a job working as a mate originally on okay. a offshore boat, and um, I was fine with that. You know, I I had no knowledge at all about the offshore fishery. Like I'd only been offshore maybe one time in my life before. And, um, so I went down there just completely open-minded, just trying to learn as much yeah. as I could. And, uh, I worked with a guy named Joel. He, uh, runs a business out of Naples and, um, he kind of taught me the ropes and got me all set up and, uh, it ended up in me running one of his offshore boats. And, um, that's like the best thing that I think has ever happened to me as far as fishing goes. Cause it's, it was an absolute blast. And, uh, I, that's definitely my favorite thing to do. Like, there's awesome. nothing I'd rather do than be on that offshore boat, you know, 30, 40, 50 miles offshore, you know, cranking on big amberjacks and yeah. kudas and groupers and and the fish taste really good down there. For sure. Everything you pull but, up out of the Gulf is delicious. Yeah. Seems like. yeah. Do you do much of the inshore fishing down there? Uh, a little bit. I, uh, I have a bunch of guys from up here in Michigan that like to do the fly fishing for the tarpon, the snook, the redfish. Uh, you know, get some Jack Creval, Spanish mackerel, stuff like that. We've uh, we've had guys come out with you know, 11 weights and 14 weights and try to catch the amberjacks. But, that's uh, yeah, it's no match for a 60-pound amberjack. No, that's crazy. But uh, we catch a bunch of barracudas <laughs> out, out by the towers and stuff on fly, and those are pretty funny. You know, a 10, 10 11 weight yeah. dumping you in the back. And yeah. It's, you know, pretty cool eat. Such so. aggressive fish. Yeah. They're, barracuda are funny, though, man. It's like – that you can see 15 of them floating up on the surface and none of them want to bite. But then all of a sudden, you know, something triggers them and one will eat. At least that's how it is in North Carolina. You'll get over yeah. these wrecks and, and there'll be, you know, 15, 20 barracudas around the boat. And without, you know, live bait, it's so hard to get them to eat on artificial. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it can be tricky. Um, thankfully, the ones by us are pretty dumb. <laughs> what, what, what's y'all's, what's your kind of go-to deal if you want to catch those barracudas on the surface? So... Uh, a lot of times like casting the CUDA tubes is, huh. you know, super successful. Yeah. They just, I, I don't know why, but I wonder who developed that CUDA, CUDA tubes. And, yeah. And it's, how they were like, Oh, this is what we need to do. For yeah. America. Whoever did. Thank you. Cause <laughs> I mean, those saved me so many days this year. I mean, it's just, it's like a guarantee. Like, Even put a CUDA, in the high, high sun and everything. Oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You can throw it in the cleanest, clearest water on the highest sun. You throw a CUDA tube out there, whether you're just burning it, reeling it in, or you're trolling them, you're going to get a CUDA. On it. it's, yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Um, have you ever caught anything besides a kudo on a kudo tube? Yeah, amberjacks. Amberjacks. <laughs> that AJ's come up That's and just awesome. absolutely smoke it. That's super cool. Yeah. All right. So what? There, there's obviously quite a few different things, but tell me what kind of a day looks like when you run out in the Gulf with with you in the in the wintertime. Like what? What are you going to be targeting? Kind of how does your day break out? And, and what are you? Uh, what fish are you catching? So. A lot of times we, we start off fishing for snappers. Um, we'll kind of go out, try to get some live bait. We'll try to get some blue runners, some pinfish, you yeah. know, just some other silver snapper, just stuff like that to use for live bait when we get further offshore. Um, and then once we get, get those and we head offshore a little bit, we're going to be targeting mangrove snappers, yellowtail snappers, mutton snappers, uh, gag grouper, black grouper, and red grouper. Those are kind of like the primary dinner fish. Okay. Um, a lot of our, a lot of guys we take out, they're going to be, you know, looking at least, you know, get some meat to bring home. So the snappers are extremely good table fare. 
and uh, they're fun to catch. They pull pretty damn hard, and uh, it's a it's pretty challenging to keep them away from the Goliath groupers. Yeah, you were telling me the Goliath groupers down there are like a nuisance. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. So if you guys want to catch Goliath groupers, I know the spot. <laughs> Every spot, everywhere you go in the Gulf of Mexico, there's a hundred of them. Oh, that's crazy. And, uh, you know, they're big, they're mean, they pull hard, but they get pretty annoying when you're trying to catch snapper and you've got like an eight pound mangrove on and it gets freaking eaten off by a, a goliath yeah. and you lose your whole rig. It, you know, they get kind of annoying, but, uh, it's part of it. it makes it really challenging for the clients. It's, it's fun watching eight year olds, you know, 10 year olds try to reel in a mangrove snapper. It's only this big of a fish, but, uh, you know, the goliath gets them. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> but, I, I've yeah. seen videos of that, man. It's, it's crazy. They're like big, large mouth bass. Pretty much. And the way they just come suction off the surface, like yeah. eat stuff off the surface. Too. I always say the shape of them, if you were to do like a, just like a, a shadow picture of them, they look almost the same exact shape as a smallmouth. As a smallmouth? Yeah. Really? yeah, they've got like the same big uh, pectoral fan, everything. It's Now, can you, like I always see people, you know, just dropping down like a whole albacore or something like that to them, but will they eat like a jig? Will they eat a top water or anything like that? They seem so aggressive. I, I've never got one on top water. I have got a smaller one jigging, but yeah. for the most part, you drop anything live or dead down on the bottom. You yeah. don't even have to drop it to the bottom. Yeah. Like a lot of times you can just drop it right on the surface. And if they, you know, already caught on you and they've eaten some of your snapper, they'll come right up and yeah. eat it. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, What's your rod set up for those? If you're going to go target those Goliath grouper, what what do you set up? Just a broomstick. Literally, is a broomstick. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't even know. It's two inches in diameter, and uh, we put 300-pound mono on it, and we have a Penn International 50 wide on it. Oh, gosh. And, uh, yeah, Are you, you strapping just, into it? Nope. We don't, I don't like to do this whole strap, uh, the clients into it, because uh, if someone you know slips or loses their footing, and um you know say something happens with the boat and i can't be right there on the harness i don't want them going into the water yeah you'd rather lose the so, rod you know i can i'll take the hit of the rod lose the rod and we can replace that but i don't want to play around with the whole harness thing yeah um for the most part i'm always right there or someone else is right there you know it's a pretty big rod and uh, you can just put it right on the gunnel and just sit on it like yeah you said they're, they're solid on. core right yeah that's super yeah cool. it's a solid fiberglass rod and um yeah it's it's pretty funny you can have two full-grown men like two 300 pound full-grown men trying to push up on the rod as hard as they can they can't even move it can't like, it's like you're just gunnel. fighting a school bus right on the bottom <laughs> that's awesome yeah so what else, what other fish are you are you targeting you said the uh you kind of start out with a snapper um and then you i, I know we've talked a bunch about it you're catching african pumping out there amber yeah. jacks permit yep what's your favorite fish to target out there um I, I've kind of got a very humbling and uh, pretty big vendetta with the black grouper. The black grouper. Yeah, they. Uh, I think they're kind of the top dog, at least for me on my list. Um, not only are they delicious if you can catch them, but they pull like just maniacs. And uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah, they're they've got quite the attitude on them. Like you'll hook one, and you don't you don't get them out of his hole right away. Like you can't even let them get a foot of line. They get a foot of line and they get back down in their hole. It's game over. You're never getting them out. Yeah. They literally they go in there and they flare their gill plates out. They literally go into the hole and then flare their gill plates out so that you can't pull them back out of it. They oh, just sit crazy. there, just you know, bulldog mode. They don't want. It's like move Chinese them finger trip, reverse Chinese exactly. finger traps. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, you can't move them. I mean, we tried hooking them up to the boat and just you know pulling the anchor on the boat and dragging them out. It never works. You just really? break off. But uh, yeah, those those black groupers, and then a very 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 close second, definitely the amberjacks. Amberjacks. Yeah, they are just it's way too cool watching them eat top waters yeah. and jigs, and 
Um, and they just pull so hard, man. I mean, you know a little bit about them. You get some smaller ones up in yeah. North Carolina. But, They're about the perfect size. <laughs> yeah, they. You know, those are the fun ones to catch. But uh, everyone always wants the biggest fish, right? So right, uh, we got. Right. I'd say I'd say the average size reef donkey <laughs> down in in the Gulf is you know over 50 pounds yeah um you get a ton of like the 50 to 80 pound amberjacks this year we got a couple over 100 pounds and That's cool. uh yeah they're just i mean they're insane they're absolutely insane it, it was, seems like our average is the near shore fish within 30 miles is like that 25 yeah or 18 to 25 pounds yeah yeah that, i mean that's a good size like yeah it's still it's a, a pull size. like you know pull like crazy but as soon as you get into that like 50 pound caliber it's i mean it's a whole nother yeah. level you're looking at you know, if you've got the right gear, at least a 20, 30 minute fight and oh, you're, man. you're worn out. Yeah. You're genuinely worn out. Like we get a lot of kids, they come out, they're like, Oh, I want to catch amberjacks. And we're like, all right, we'll go catch a couple of amberjacks and one fish and they're out cold on the cooler, just face down yeah. just ready to go back. Like just totally whooped. Oh, that's fun. So, yeah. So tell me a little bit about the, the permit and African pompano. That's a, those are two fish that, um, I've caught permit. In shallow water and i've i've heard all about fishing permit on wrecks but not spending much time offshore fishing in florida i haven't gotten to do it is that um do you fish for those in different ways or kind of dive into telling us about that all right so yeah the the permit um they're kind of around in the springtime you, you got an odd permit like during the winter or whatever but it's they're not very relevant um the permit you're mainly fishing live crabs uh you will get them occasionally on like a jig with a shrimp a live shrimp on it um, but that, those are kind of the main two ways to target them. Uh, you can sight fish them actually up around the towers and some of the wrecks will be schooled up in yeah. big pods and you can actually sight cast to them off like the bow of the boat. Um, so that's pretty fun. And, uh, a lot of times like we'll be out on a wreck fishing and we'll just have a, a free line out with a crab. Yeah. And, uh, sometimes we'll put a balloon on it just to keep it up a little bit higher, kind of keep it away from the snappers and stuff. But uh, usually a free line, if there's enough current rolling, we'll just put a free line out with a crab and, you know, just have it ready for AP or a permit if one swims by. That's really cool. Um, the the APs are kind of the same way. The African pompanos, they are, uh, you know, they're just swimming around the outside edges of wrecks, just kind of looking for meals. They really zone in on the crabs for sure. We uh, we catch a lot of them just with a chicken rig with a crab on the bottom. Yeah. The same thing we catch a lot on the free line off the back. And uh, we actually caught one vertical jigging this year. Really? So that was pretty cool. cool. Um, but those African pompanos are, they're pretty, pretty cool fish. Pretty cool Not fish. only the colors are just absolutely gorgeous. Like you want to talk about some pearlescent, yeah. and purples and blues and uh, pinks. Those, I think they're probably the prettiest skin of a fish. Yeah. And uh, another really cool thing about the African pompano, the skin is like the best tasting part of the whole really? fish. Is it a not, not really any scales, kind of like a Spanish there's no, mackerel? Yeah, there's no scales at all. Um, I do hose it off a little bit. You get kind of a little something off of it. But um, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll skin the meat. I'll like take the actual filet yeah. and skin it. And then I'll, I'll cook just the skin and a little bit of butter. And you basically make it into like little chips. And oh, it wow. Is, it is so, so good. That like, does sound delicious. Um, me and all the other guys that, that are down there, we always fight for the skin. Like it is the <laughs> best part. It, just trust me on it. Yeah. Like, if you've never tried it, you got to try it. I will. And, uh, that's a bucket list fish for me. And the meat itself tastes, I, it's it's like crab meat. Yeah. Like when you're cooking it, it smells like crab meat. When it, it's got the texture and consistency of crab meat. And it's that's cool. it's really, really good. So what's the average size African pompano down there? Like the, the, that y'all are catching in your area? Um, you got a lot of like the, you know, the smaller ones, like 10 to 15 pounds. But this year we had a bunch over 20, 30 pounds nice. as well. 
Um, the bigger ones pull really, really hard too. They've got really, um, really sporadic runs. Like your reel, it almost sounds like your reel's broken. It's really, zoom, 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 just back and forth, just going. They've got crazy. that big, tall head. You know, it's like a permit, but it's got yeah. the square edge to it almost. Yeah. And you got to uh, imagine they can just lay in the current with that. that. Yeah, that's all they do. They just go on their side, they tilt over, and they just fight you the whole way up. That's cool. Yeah. So, so you're saying you're seeing a lot of these African pompano permit. Was what percentage are you actually? you know, seeing and being able to sight cast to? I've I've never been able to sight cast to an AP. Okay. Um, but the permit, like this year, I don't know, say we caught 100 permit out in the Gulf this year while I was down there, 20, 30 of them were sight casting okay, too. Cool. Um, you know, you get a lot of shots at it. They do they do get pretty spooky yeah. though. Yeah. So sometimes it's best to just let it drift into them so they don't hear that plop. Yeah, if you pitch it out there and it yeah. plops. Other, other times they don't care. They'll come right up and just absolutely smash yeah. it. So That's awesome. Yep. So we had a question on here. It was, uh, let's find it. They were asking about shark fishing in the Gulf. Do you do much shark fishing down there? Yep. Uh, I definitely do a lot. I do a lot more of it with gear than I do with fly rods. Okay. Um, it's, it's really tough to get them to come up on the fly rods there unless you get them like really chummed up and yeah. just, you know, absolutely fired up. Um, it seems like sharks, like once there's blood in the water, it gets way harder to get them to eat artificial. Yeah. You know, once they smell blood or if you see a fish like, free swimming and pitch to it a lot of times they can yeah i can get a beat to fly but once i've got chum in the water it gets tough yeah so i uh i have a good friend and guy down in the keys name's Derek rust he kind of taught me this like little puppy dog way to catch them uh -huh. and uh it's really like you're training a dog so you just you cut up a bunch of little chunks like about the size there for the fly that yeah. you're throwing and you get them like chummed up on that so they'll, they'll come up you get them right by the boat you throw them a chunk they circle around, they come back up, you throw them a chunk. You come back up, they circle around, you throw them a chunk. And then they come back up, next time you throw your flying right right away. Oh, that's so smart. Never it's kind of a little that. bait and switch thing. You know, it's kind of a little well, if you're already chumming, why not just yeah, keep feeding them? It's right, kind of fun. Right. So it's it's cool. And uh and then say like you hook one, sometimes they'll still come back because you're so zoned in on that chum chunk just being that proper size. Yeah. So, you know, you're just fishing a, a red fly with like a red rabbit shirt. I mean, it doesn't even really matter as long as it's the right color and shape they're gonna yeah. be. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they. Uh, I've seen a fly that looks like your chum, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> or sharpie the color of it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we we have a bunch of different species of sharks. We've got bull sharks, tiger sharks, black tip sharks, and lemon sharks, um, and some nurse sharks. The the most common one I'd say is the black tip shark. We can catch those on fly on the beach. Um, when we first get down to Florida in December, there's like Spanish mackerel and stuff on the beach. Yeah. And uh, sometimes the sharks will zone in on those and the black tips will be like, it'll be like a big bait ball. It'll be the Spanish mackerel blowing up on pilchards, the sharks blowing up on Spanish mackerel. Wow. And uh, it's just like a big feeding frenzy going yeah. on. So you can get them the on fly. Chain. Yep, exactly. And then um, we've seen quite a few tiger sharks. We've seen a couple just free swimming out where we're like 30, 40 miles out. Yeah. We tried casting them. We never get them to eat. But um, definitely a lot of bull sharks and hammerheads too. We uh we get some hammerheads and bull sharks eating our fish on the way up when we're offshore. It, I mean, God, I think how can you even get, get a fish to the boat between the hammerheads, the bull sharks, the uh the some, Goliath grouper? Some spots it's not as bad. You know, the Goliath grouper, as soon as you get out past 200 feet, they kind of let off a little bit, okay. but then the sharks kind of kick in. So you kind of just got to pick your poison. Yeah, I'd rather have sharks than Goliaths because the Goliaths are just they're so annoying. I mean, yeah. at least the sharks they just cut you off right away. You know, you're not stuck. You know, losing all Pulling your mind. Um, so, but it is what it is, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of sharks in Florida. 
Um, I, I don't really do a ton of fishing where I go out and specifically target them. There's definitely spots you can do it. I, I probably did four or five days of, you know, specifically only shark fishing. And, you know, every day we went out and hooked, you know, five, six, seven, eight sharks yeah, and, you cool. know, had three, 400 pounders on. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So you were saying that the tiger sharks down there, you have trouble getting them to eat. Yeah. Are they just smarter? Are they spooky or, or what is it for you? I don't know. I just, I haven't really had many chances at them. I've only seen, you know, so many of them and, you know, I've only got the cast baits at so many of them. I've never really had one like come up in a chum line or anything like that. Um, the bull sharks on the other hand, I mean, they're just, they'll eat anything. You throw a chunk of anything out on a hook, they're going to eat it. Same with the black tips. They're usually pretty, pretty mellow. The black tips can get spooky sometimes, but uh, for the most part, they're pretty willing to eat, eat a fly or eat a chunk. Bait. That's fun. Yeah. The, the, I was, I was just curious cause the tiger sharks here, like you'll, you'll pull up on a lot of the wrecks and they're curious fish. And um, it seems like every wreck has one or two, but that's one fish that's like here. I feel like always eats, you know, you yeah. anything I drop back to it. But one thing that works really well is a ringtail with its toe cut off and you just on a circle hook and drop it back to him. He'll yeah. eat that almost every time. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just funny how, the same fish bit can behave so so differently in different areas. Yeah, it's, I definitely agree with that. Like your redfish in North Carolina are completely different than the redfish that I fish down in Florida. Yeah, a very different, very yeah. different. So that's a good kind of segue. I wanted to ask you uh, if we could dive in a little bit. Uh, I know you you're not doing as much guiding on the inshore, but but what does your inshore fishing down there kind of look like if you're fun fishing or or the trips you do run inshore? Yeah, so a lot of it's just going to be push pulling mangrove shorelines depending on the tide. Um, if you're on the right tide and you've got a good morning or evening, uh, you know, there is some belly crawling redfish action nice. going on where you can actually sight fish them and, you know, see them up crawling. Um, a lot it's of the stuff that, yeah, it, it really is. It's, and we get some nice ones too. Yeah. We get some, you know, redfish over 10, 15 pounds and, uh, you know, the occasional shot at like a nice decent Florida bull and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, 20, 30 pounder. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's snook and tarpon mixed in and some jacks mixed in as well. Um, but like a typical day of backcountry fishing in Naples area, you, you know, you'll just kind of start off pushing some shorelines, you know, doing some blind casting, just trying to work it for tarpon and snook are kind of your main targets. Um, while you're out, you know, pushing the flat, you might see jacks busting on bait. You might yeah. see tarpon rolling. Um, sometimes you'll see snook just laid up hanging out. Same with tarpon. You might see, you know, a laid up tarpon just kind of hanging out. We do have year round resident fish there. Uh -huh. Um, so it definitely is a, you know, you have a shot at tarpon every day, you go out in the backcountry in Naples. There's just, you know, there's always a couple around and, uh, usually you've got at least one or two shots at one yeah. every day to, if the tide's right. 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 But, um, yeah, the, the snook fishing is really, really good. Despite the, the really bad red tide we had last year, the snook fishing has been really good. Um, we, every day I went out snook fishing in the backcountry on a fly fishing trip. We caught snook every That's single cool. day. And that's, um, that's one, I think my favorite inshore fish to catch. I wish we had them in North Carolina. Snook yeah. are just so cool. They're cool. Whether you're, you know, throwing a gurgler on the surface in the morning or you're throwing a streamer or you're sight fishing them, they're just, you know, they're cool fish and they pull pretty dang hard. Oh, they too. do pull hard and they, they're like a bass and a redfish kind yeah. of mixed together. Yeah. I just love pulling on those mangrove edges and just, you know, they blend in with those roots for so long and all of a sudden you can just kind of see one laying there. One just, head just kind of yeah. barely sticking out over the sand. Yeah. Yeah, they, and then you got to somehow get your fly or soft plastic like right up under the under mangrove. these mangrove roots. Yeah. yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it definitely tests your your casting and your ability to you know get that nice shot right under the mangrove and uh, you know avoid me going to push pull over and get it a hundred <laughs> times a day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're they're fun. You know, they're definitely a very readily available fish and. Um, 
and, and you get shots at big ones too. Like there's definitely some legit 50 inch snook in, yeah. in some of the areas that I fished down there. And uh, I, I think we only got two over 40 this, this season, this past season, but um, we did have, you know, quite a few over 30 inches. That's awesome. And uh, another cool thing you can do for them too is uh, fish the not fish the dock lights for them. Yeah. And uh, that dock light fishing is hard to beat. I don't know if you've done that before, but I've it done is, it. I've it done it fun. once. And uh, it's pretty cool to see these big giant snook. And, you know, that's kind of your, your best chance to get a big one. And uh, it's just cool to go do it. Yeah. And, and it's like everyone in Naples has dock lights too. Yeah. And every dock light has fish on it. it seems Pre- like. Yeah, pretty much. If, if there's a snuck dock light in Naples Bay, there's going to be snuck on like yeah. it's, it's, I mean, there's so many snuck in the bay. It's, it's crazy. Oh, that's fun. That's super fun. We had one more question come in. Um, can you keep and eat the Goliaths down in Florida? You can't. Um, they There has been talk and rumors about them opening a season for it. I hope they do. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I think they could definitely use a little bit of uh, clearing out from the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. But um, yeah, right now you actually you can't even take them out of the water. No matter what size they are, you can't even take them out of the water at all. So we get them up. We try to get the hook out. You know, we'll do a picture right along the side of the gunnel of the boat. You know, you lean over the boat, yeah. grab his tail or whatever. But uh, yeah, were they can't. endangered at some point? They were. Um, but I can imagine them being that aggressive, like fishing for them when you could keep them, but probably if there weren't limits one night, you could probably wipe them out pretty quick. Uh, yeah. Or you just pull up to a wreck and pull, you know, four, 400 pound fish in your boat and yeah, take off. You're full. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, they could definitely use some, some herd thinning for sure. There's way, way too many of them around now. But uh, yeah, so hopefully that does happen. I really do hope it. And apparently they taste pretty good. I've I've never got to taste one, but uh, back before all of the the stuff of them happened, I had some buddies that have had them and said they're pretty pretty, they're pretty tasty. Good. Actually, I, I've I've never tasted any grouper that I didn't like. It's all pretty good. Yeah, it's all pretty darn good. Well, guys, that kind of brings us it, t- it timed out pretty nicely. I wanted to give Daryl a little bit of time though, um, to kind of tell tell y'all how to find him. Um, on social media and his website and and uh, t- tell you all a little bit about his business and um, hopefully y'all can y'all can book a trip with him and get out in the water yep so uh website's just diverseangling.com um you can also find me on instagram i'm sure judd's got me tagged on one of his recent posts it's just capped daryl holtz and uh i've also got facebook if you guys want to add me on there but um, I'm always moving around. I'm always looking to just, you know, be where the fish are. That's why I travel from here to Florida and, you know, kind of get away from this cold weather. But um, if you guys ever want to get out and fish, whether it's in Michigan or down in Florida, just give me a shout and we'll get something set up. Awesome. Well, guys, I forgot to say at the beginning, but it's super helpful if y'all do it right now. If y'all would just go share um, this broadcast on your Facebook page. Obviously, people will be able to tune into it now, but they can see it later on. Um, and tell people that weren't able to see it tonight if they're if they're wanting to watch it that they can see it um, on YouTube tomorrow as well as listen to the audio format of this show on anywhere where you can listen to podcasts. But we're just super excited. I think through this winter, me and Billy have been talking. We're going to try to do some more of these remote shows. If I'll go fish somewhere, Billy goes and fishes somewhere. Uh, we can sit down and do these kind of like on location shows. And I would have gotten more into the the intro, but I wanted to let Daryl start talking one because he has so much good information, and two because I really can't talk that well right now, and I'm losing my voice as as I keep as I keep talking. But thank you all so much for tuning in to episode 21 of Eastern Current. Like I said, this is Captain Daryl Holtz. Go check him out. And go fish with him, and uh, we look forward to seeing y'all on episode 22 later.